Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So two weeks off, and really don't have two weeks of baseball news. <laughs> the buck stops here. Okay, you hit upon the only thing that I think is worth talking about. I, that's it. You, you listed it. You listed it. That's it. That's all we really have to talk about. So we have ragged on the Mets a little bit in the past month, uh, and you know always. But is Puck Showalter the right pick for this for a win now team? I mean, their their stated goal is win now. Yeah, I mean, he can win some games. I don't know if he will with this roster. So his last coaching gig was the Orioles in their, you know, basically first of their quadruple A seasons. He didn't have another stop. I feel like I remember him having another stop, but that's, it might have just been he was. The Orioles, he was, he was with the Orioles in 2018. I mean, it's, it's only, it's only two, Not that real, long ago, to, I know. Two, only two real seasons ago. <laughs> it's amazing. He's looked He's looked like he's 65 for the last 20 years. You know, they said they, they were like, I read an article that was saying his first coaching gig was with the Yankees in 1992, which was 30 years ago. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, like, in my head, I was like, no. And, he, and they were like, he was 35. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, this is insane. Wow. That's, that is crazy. He didn't do that badly. Oh, he, and then the, he, he exited and the team went did great things but he was in arizona right he won that one in arizona no no no. he hasn't won oh no <laughs> he's never won he he was gone when they so the yankees um were not very good when under him and then he leaves do really well arizona do some good damage oh, they won 100 games in 1999 yep. he leaves they win. they win yeah texas rangers not very good they leave, eh, I guess it was like five or six years before they were decent, right? That was those um, Adrian Beltre and yeah. Nelson Cruz teams. And then the Orioles. Orioles have still bad. <laughs> yeah, the Orioles are, well, they got a couple more years to be on the Rangers uh, timeline, I guess. I do not think the Mets are going to win the World Series this year. Put in the bet box. That the Mets win the World Series? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what you're going to take on this one. Wheel of Time conclusion we got one last episode to talk about we got one last episode to talk about and i have a one word review lackluster with a question mark agreed yes i was expecting big things i know you were expecting big things because you <sighs> predicted a hour and a half runtime and the minute i fired it up and saw it was under an hour i, like, I knew it i knew not from it. that point i was like <laughs> we can't do everything that we wanted to do in that that amount of time uh, this felt like a an episode that had to be seen by book readers because there's no real like they you know they introduced the dark one with no fanfare really whatsoever they don't have they have a tensiony scene that doesn't feel like a ton of tension right with rand and the dark one it just doesn't it just didn't do it for me and then yeah but 
nobody else gets there. And like the battle happens largely off screen. <laughs> and is it the dark one? We know we know we're the only people to know it's not the dark one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, obviously spoilers. So the I mean again, the is this not an episode for book readers? It was. That, that no, I com- I completely agree with you. It's an episode for book readers, but book readers are going to be pissed off. Yeah, exactly. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't see I, I think that's why I said lackluster because I don't I don't see anyone actually being happy about this episode. No. Well, the people that are have fallen into fallen into watching this show who are like, I, what? <laughs> you know, those are the people that I'm more concerned about because I mean, the people who read the books, I think for the most part, they're going to be people who are going to complain about these movies. But they would we're going to complain about everything. I mean, we could go into complaining about Lord of the Rings and, and Peter sure. Jackson if we sure. really want to. I have my notes. I, I've heard them all, I think, at this point. But yes, I, I mean... We can complain about The Hobbit. We can complain about... Um, Game of Thrones, obviously. Game of Thrones. We can complain about his dark materials. Ugh. So, But this one, I think more than any, is geared towards the reader and really nervous about turning off potential fan bases. In terms of like we're not gonna we're not gonna go out of our way to make this as convoluted as Bob Jordan did. We're gonna try to make sure that we simplify this as much as possible. And, and cool, but then you needed to have a ten a ten episode ten episode season, hour long hour long episodes. I, I, I think my, my big question after watching that is what brings non book creators back for season two? <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I I turned to the lady and she's like, she's like, what happened? <laughs> I know. I know. Exactly. And then she's holding, I didn't even really recognize it when she was holding the, whatever, I wouldn't, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, Quilnar? Yeah. Quinar? I, that's, I, I don't have anything for you. Stone that cannot be broken. Yeah. Um, she's holding a big chunk of it and like, you know, coked out. Not coked out. She's you know, withdrawal right now because she yeah. can't touch the source. But she's holding it, and then she says it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. But, like, who, I mean, what viewer who doesn't hasn't read these books is going to be like, oh, that was a really big key. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I think this episode is notable for what I expected to happen and didn't more than anything else. Do we have a season two before the end of 2022 yes okay is it announced it's not announced when it's coming out no yeah that it was renewed yes yes okay but you're predict- without matt you're predicting yes <laughs> oh that's right they recant it all right but you're predicting that they that this happens in 2022 yeah i'm gonna bet okay. that they're gonna try to put it on the same timeline as they did this this week, we're going to check back in on synthetic drafting. I've labeled this as a gut check because what has now happened is you've done a great job of posting everything to GitHub. I pulled it down, was able to play around with it, ran my own take on what I kind of wanted to see in terms of checking this, and I want to run these back at you and see what, what you think about um, some of the things that I found. So here we go. What I did is I, you know, I, took, I took your example that you had done, which was sort of look at a single week drafted out a bunch of times for a set number for a set uh, range of agents that are looking at preseason weightings versus previous week weightings, and so I just took this for a spin and just thought I'd see what what exactly I got out. 
And I chose week nine, pretty arbitrary. Just thought it'd be fun. Um, and my, my boilerplate here is in, in week nine of, of 2021, Liam Hendricks had a pretty good week. Um, he appeared in three games, got two saves, uh, got four Ks, issued no walks, allowed no hits, and of course that results in zero runs. So from that, you would think that the next week he's going to be drafted pretty high. And so what I did was I took a look at okay, in the next week, where actually is Liam Hendricks drafted? Because we know that preseason Liam Hendricks is going to be valuable as well. So I was just sort yeah. of looking at, okay, wh- what does it actually mean to have somebody have like a pretty decent week and also be rated pretty highly? And then my question to you on the gut check side is, is that really better than a Jake DeGrom week, also super highly rated preseason? In the previous week, he'd had two starts in which he pitched 13 innings, 19 Ks, five hits, one run one walk and no word runs. So of these and two is wins. Uh he got two wins. He got two wins. He oh, got two wow. wins from that. I forgot to note that, sorry. Uh and I was curious to see, okay, well well what what exactly what does it feel like to draft these guys? Because what the gut check I wanted to do is is does the draft does the beginning of the draft actually look like what you think would happen if we sat down as a human to redraft these, right? So you sort of know that you want the, you know, you want these guys to go early. <laughs> and the question, I, I ran a hundred of these. Lilia Hendricks was picked by the agents first 64 times of this. Jake DeGrom, 14. You Darvish, 12. Preseason darling, obviously. Araldis Chapman, four times. Four Craig Kimbrels, one Walker Bueller, one Kevin Gossman. <sighs> this distribution feels close. Maybe not exactly what I would have expected. I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. Like, say you're you're redrafting fresh for a week in, okay, some sort of weekly fantasy league. Is this really a a what you where you're going to spend your first pick on pitchers? Do you think? And you so in terms of the recency bias, would you? How did you set the the weights for? Did you set them randomly? I did. I, I left. I, no, yeah, I left. I left all of your recency bias things. So this is your. Um, this is your solely your implementation. Okay. So they are. So it's random the weight for the last week. Random the weight for the season. Random the weight from the for the preseason, and the prediction is zero. <sighs> What was the, so understanding that then that was the that was the previous week? Yes. What was the re, the the season to that point? Because we know that if you do a ranking system mid, middle of the year, it often is the and even at the end I of know. the year, it often is closers that have like that good stretch of like a couple of weeks end up being ranked really highly. No, I I get it. My point is not to my point is not to say that there's anything wrong. My point is to ask whether this is what we want the algorithm to be doing, <laughs> or whether we need to, like, is is this realistic? Because the goal, right, is to do what humans are going to do, to simulate what humans are going to do. Like, we don't want the machine to just always pick Liam Hendricks, and then you know that'd be like a that'd be like a weird chess computer that always uses the same opening because it's obsessed with it or something right (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. i did the chess in the like in 2004 range on the apple and it would always be like oh it's gonna start with that one okay yeah exactly (laughs) so i you know i just don't want it to be like that so this is this is a gut check and i'm just i'm not even sure actually 
mean, this is a little bit more of a philosophical drafting question. I'm not even sure this is not what we want it to do. Well, that, that, is, what's is weird, this what we want it to do? What's weird is, yeah, you're looking at that week, and I, I will say that I kept on looking at week number five, mm. and Jacob deGrom was aggressively first, with yeah. Araldis Chapman being second almost every other time and the two of them switching like like most times so there are certain i think statistically based on the um, numbers that are going in there there are obvious picks there are obvious picks i don't i do not like though 64 to 14 is aggressive but at the same time i know that at other points in the season it is not liam hendricks getting picked first Right, exactly. And so that's interesting because I had noticed that same sort of emergent behavior where there's every week there appears to be a dominant guy in in the picking. It's not always 64 to 14, but there there usually is, the bots are usually leaning towards one person specifically. And the question is, does that really replicate what humans would do or not? Doesn't that seem a little bit like the early... Uh, the mid aught like when we started doing fantasy football and it was like i got the number one pick i'm taking ladanian tomlinson <laughs> you know it, it feels it feels a little bit more fantasy football i think than fantasy baseball almost but well this is unidirectional we're only doing pitchers here yeah i mean so maybe well okay let me let me give you one other piece of evidence to continue talking about this so the other thing is not only not only this this question of who was drafted first, which is what I just gave you of the hundred yeah. times. But where is Liam Hendricks drafted in in this one week? Like how how far down? So we know that he's drafted first sixty four times. The other thirty six times, what happens to him? And this is actually a really nice curve, <laughs> in the sense mm-hmm. that this is basically what you would expect. So he's drafted I don't know twenty four times second, then eight times third, two times fourth, one time fifth, and then flukily one time eighth. So one I did time, send rails to make sure that they couldn't go. I noticed, and, and I, re- I really like that. I mean, but you know, that part I actually found the most believable is that there's some draft where your whole league was like, I don't know if I can do Liam Hendricks, and he falls, you know, weirdly far. Where's something. the point where you take him? Well, that was, I called the Acuna rule, because yes. when I first set this up, he ended up going outside of the first round in like the preliminary things. It's like, he cannot fall outside of the first round. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so I think you know, someone, at least one person, is on the auto draft and will draft him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a really good point. So, so right. So now we have these two pieces of evidence to sort of try and take together. So Liam Hendricks' distribution of picks looks pretty good. I mean, I I'm inclined to agree. Liam Hendricks isn't going after third, really, for the most part. Especially, especially mid-season, you know, this idea like we're doing a one-week redraft. Liam Hendricks has a lot of value in this. He can contribute five categories where Jacob DeGrom cannot. Yeah, so, so I, th- I mean, I think I'm sort of talking a long way to say that I, I actually kind of think this works. I think this is kind of the behavior that we're looking for. But then the question, so the question is, how do we continue to validate that? And going forward, how do we design metrics that, that automate this part of the process a little bit more? Like we're inspecting this by eye, but we're going to produce so much data that we can't inspect by eye. 
Then we need to. Yeah, you're, you're looking. We're just scrutinizing Liam Hendricks here. For, one week of Liam Hendricks. I don't know how much times <laughs> is going to show up on the pod for one week. We can't. Yeah, we can't do that for everybody. I, I, just in the same way that um, you know, student can analyze all that Guinness because <laughs> he would be drunk as all get out. How do we then? How how do we do a freshness test for mm. for these? Yeah, and I think that's that's what I'm really interested in in how how do we design a good gut check for ourselves that makes this a little bit easier, um, and we have we have some sort of test. I mean, I think a metric where you look at the separation between the first and the second guy, like this this Liam Hendricks Jake Degrom sixty four fourteen, you check this ratio and we sort of see what the distribution of ratios looks like. Um, and maybe maybe there we maybe we designate some key guys like you know the preseason top five maybe it's interesting every week to look at where they went just as an example or something. Yeah, we want a preseason that we want to track the preseason top five, the top five from each week. We could probably figure out who the top five is from each week and um, put a list together of the guys that we end up tracking and like you know don't care about the one, you know. Um, the one guy that gets a, who was the guy who got a, um, no hitter for San Diego there? I'm blanking on this. We don't need to track him every single week, Yeah, but we do need to track DeGrom every week. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I see what, I see what you're saying. I think that that would be, that would be helpful. Still don't like 64 to 14. The question is, do we need a bigger sample? Is that anomalous because we only did 100? It's not really feeling like that is. But it might end up, you know, maybe over a thousand instead of it being six hundred and forty to one hundred and forty, it does end up being like one hundred and sixty to five hundred eighty. Yeah, and, and that feels is, it feels marginally better. But you know, in my pilot tests that I did smaller than a hundred, uh-huh. this this is not an anomalous result. As, yeah, 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 yeah. You were saying that. I mean, I had some I had some tens that came up all Liam Hendricks, <laughs> like Liam mm-hmm. Hendricks number one. <laughs> like, uh oh. Uh, yeah, so I think if there's some way to, but it's, it's hard, right? What do you do? What do you do when your preseason, when a highly ranked preseason guy has a good week, <laughs> which, is yeah. what ha- which is what happened here, right? Like how, how do we, how do you account for that? There, there, there's like, is there an element of randomness that we need to put in? I mean, well, th- see, this is when we first started doing this last March, I kept on saying we need to add more stochasticity yeah. because there is – I know that when I step up to the bat and I'm drafting, it's like even if there's an obvious pick, I, there's like, well, should I take him? <laughs> yeah. you know, I just want to do something yeah. different. It's the, I don't know, Gen X component in me. It's just like I can't do the thing that they're expecting me to do or I should do. I should do something completely different. Yes, it, and this was a hard piece as I was going. That's why the Cunha rule ended up being mm-hmm. in there. That's why we're – I mean, is this overfitting? You know, is that part of what mm. what you're saying? Mm. Do we have too many rails? But if you like look at it, oh, maybe yeah, yeah. You know, are we overfitting this? I guess this is the question. That's a good way to think about it. Okay, I think what we should do is I should generate um, these for a few weeks and see what the distribution looks like. Um, do it do for for a few realizations see what the split between the first two guys is sort of every time um and see 
Because I, I don't like the idea of there being an overwhelming number one pick every single week. I'm hoping that there are weeks. I'm hoping that there are weeks where we get to like 40-40 and the other 20% is like <laughs> randomly split or something. Interesting stuff here. I feel I feel interesting about four Araldus Chapman's and four Craig, Craig Kimbrell's number one pick. I mean that's that's just some love of good reliever weeks. But one Kevin Gosman. But Kevin Gosman had a pretty high ranking. Did well season. in the first half. And he did half really year. well, exactly. So, you know. So okay. he was able to overcome the, um, do I have, I don't have a preseason weight in here. Because, let's see, this is, ends up being um, random weight. Uh, for last week, previous week, which is the week before the last week. Yep. Full season. And then, um, and then, and then the preseason. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that I uh, right. I I should have I should have started this whole segment and instead we'll just close this whole segment by saying that I think this this passes the first level of gut check immediately. Like, no, you know, we we sort of glossed over the fact that all of these guys make sense <laughs> to be picked number one. There's no one on here that it's like. Yeah, just immediately why, why going into Montas like going number one, you know, or yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like something something crazy, right? There's no there's no one on here like that. All of these guys are plausible. Like you might be watching the draft and be like, hmm, Kevin Gossman wouldn't have expected that, but you're not like, no, what that's ridiculous or something. So yeah, 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 yeah. You're not like throw them out of the league. You're like. Wow! <laughs> really? Yeah, and one out of every hundred drafts. Going there. One out of every hundred drafts that should happen, right? I mean, just look at the TGFBI yeah. first round, like the first the, or overall number one pick. There were guys in there that was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, okay, I, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, I think it does. We got the milk out of the fruit. I, I said I put some milk in the fridge, Michael. Can you go give it a sniff test and and tell me if it's if it's good? And instead of you being like, it doesn't smell bad, you said, it smells like it's whole milk. Uh, were we going for 2% here? <laughs> that's, I think that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly where we were at. So, you know, so, you know, good job, basically, is definitely what we need okay, to say. Cool. I think this really works. I was happy. It, it came right off of GitHub and ran immediately, like absolutely no modifications necessary. And then everything else was easy tweaks. So no complaints. Trying to stay away from Python too. I'm, I'm kicking the habit. I, I swear, Please. I'm kicking the habit. <laughs> I'm running Python everything 3. in Python three, so it's gonna have to work. <laughs> no, and for the most part, these are pretty, um, pretty typical libraries that are being used. Yeah. Random is probably the most random one, but you, as a statistician, I assume would have that on your on your computer. No problems there. You can just you can always use NumPy as random. <laughs> I could. Oh boy. Yeah. You're oh right. Boy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now we're gonna now we're gonna over uh, overdevelop okay. this so that we can reduce the number of site packages. I'm fine. Okay. All right. I think that about brings us to the review session. Wander Franco. I'm sorry, but I'm excited about this one. All right. Yeah. Wander Franco. Let's go with Franco. Sure. Sounds good. Uh, Tampa Bay. Rays plays in 70 games in 2021, the only season he's played in, by the way. Uh, 308 mm-hmm. plate appearances, 53 runs in that, 
seven home runs, 39 RBIs, two stolen bases for a 288 average. And the highlighted thing, if you're looking on Savant, th- five triples. Oh, wow. Yeah, five triples. Pretty surprising, which, which is good for, I think, being in like the top 15 or something, even though he plays in less than half the games, right? So He hit one to first base? Wow. That's where it's first. That's where it's first touched. So it records where it's first touched. So presumably it came off the glove of the first baseman and did something funky. Yeah. What is that? I don't remember that play. I, there's no way so to. You can't do no show to, random video. Show uh, random triple. triple. That'd be great. It'd be, it feels so sad for some players. Uh, I mean, so so obviously demonstrably good sprint speed. Not showing up yet in the stolen bases, but you know you don't get you don't get five triples in seventy games without some speed you don't know how to run the bases yeah Yeah. so that's that's heartening i think um i mean so we have to announce obviously that he is an absolute top prospect so the ceiling the expectation ceiling is pretty high here expectation is that he will be a top 10 fantasy player right and so he needs to be evaluated as such in our discussion i think yeah uh yeah we can't we can't overlook that this is not hey you know end of your draft (laughs) <laughs> if yeah. this guy is available, go ahead and grab him. It's like we're going on the premise that's, that's already stated. Um, age 20. Yeah. Yeah. Smaller than I expected. 5'10", 189. Well, what did you – so you expected – so you expected more of the – more size given that he's projected for some real five-tool skills. Yeah. He look. He also looked big in the playoff series. He was scary, oh, and you sure. know, he's he's scary. But also, there's a little bit like put Wander up there. Let put him on the. Like, he is a kid. I, there's yeah. some of that. There's some of that. He's too young to be scared. But there's also a little bit of that. He's too young to do the simple things right in a big spot. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's well said. I, I mean. I, I don't think he looks huge, but I like watching his home runs because they look convincing. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He definitely yeah. knows what he's doing up there. I mean, watching yeah. you know watching his home runs and then reading that he's twenty years old, you see why he's why he's got a lot of hype. Is he gonna get a? Um, yeah. What what is his what is his highest? Is he gonna get forty home run seasons, or is he gonna be regularly in the thirties? Well, it depends on depends on what they do to the ball. I would say that 40 home run seasons are in play if, you know, unless unless MLB acts to deaden the ball a little bit. Otherwise, I think, I mean, I, I think 30-30 is a, like a reasonable spot to start in three to four years. I don't think he's going to steal 30 bases. Really? What do you, okay, how many bases does he steal next year? Let's start there. And I think that might be the most that he steals in a season. I mean, I think it's, it might be 20. I think he's more. I, I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm asking him 40 because I think that he has. I, I think that he could be like a 40 20 player at like his height. I, that would be my guess. So you, so you see a Manny Machado like proge- progression. And then at some yes, point, you just and stop that stealing. That is, is exactly the player okay. that I was thinking okay. of is Manny Machado. All right. Right? Uh, that's fine. No, I, I Who might um, end up just not stealing all of a sudden. They're just like, no. <laughs> so what anymore. so what do we have? We have uh okay, he had a he did have a ten day stint on the DL for right hamstring tightness this year. Don't love that. Not clear hmm. Yeah, I don't love that. But they did call him up in June and he stayed up 
after, late June. He stayed up after that. Through, I mean, he was playing Obviously. in October. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, that's that's interesting. But he doesn't have any other real injuries listed. So, well, he wouldn't have any other injuries listed because he's only been in the MLB this year. So, is I don't I don't think there's any reason to think that he's not durable. But I don't love. 10-day DL, right hamstring tightness. <laughs> no. Is this a good team or a bad team for him to develop on? Yes. He's probably more fantasy valuable on a different team. Yes. But they're never going to tra- trade him. Mm, I mean, he could leave. Tim Bay Rays end up leaving sometimes. Eventually. Eventually. That's, he's 20, right? So he's probably... That's probably... I, I can't remember all the contract stuff, but he's probably... No. Probably five years off from being out of control. <laughs> out of control. Yeah. Where Where do you think he goes in drafts this year? Top ten. You think top ten? I think ten. I mean, wow. people are gonna people are gonna be hot on him and looking to not be too late for the leap. It's Boba Fett. Yeah, exactly. They, wait, we po- talked about the Boba Fett show. <laughs> we're po- I haven't watched it yet. We're poisoned by Boba Fett's amazing season. Right now, Bobuchet and Acuna both did it. They right, so, did every, like... so everyone's going to be terrified to miss Franco's season. So I really think he's going to go so early. What do you think his? <laughs> what do you think the difference is going to be between his ADP and his end of season ranking? I could, I could see him being right. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that he gets drafted tenth, and that he returns like thirty value of 35 to 40 so i'm gonna say 27 27 i'd go yeah i'd go even higher than that because i you know as you're saying it it's like maybe he goes like in the top eight (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i mean i think he's gonna be drafted super early he's gonna be yeah no i you're you're right i know he's gonna be drafted in the first two rounds of every league and i don't think that he's gonna get I don't think he's going to return top two round. I don't value. see. I don't see how he gets out of the first round in TGFBI because people are going to be swinging for the fences, and he's not. He's not a bad pick in the TGFBI setting if you're pick ten through fifteen because he could mm-hmm. return. He like even if we believe that it's a small chance that he returns that value, he could. <laughs> I mean, he. Yeah. Well, you swing for the fences in TGFBI in yeah. the first two rounds, and that's why I have, I've had, good fine years in tgfbi but never really competed was because i took i took the safe guy in the second round when i should have gone bold yeah i think i think that's like a key lesson to have learned is to swing for the fences in tgfbi first two rounds for sure but get him yeah if he's if he's available late late in late rounds get him (laughs) who are we doing next week we are going to talk about garrett hampson awesome Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you, too. Yeah.